Welcome to Pedagog Bonus, a short episode that covers a single topic or question. I'm your host, Shane Wood. In this bonus episode, Jason and Tom talks about the anti-racist scholarly reviewing practices. Dr. Jason Tom is a faculty member in the Technical Communication and Rhetoric Program in the Department of English at Texas Tech University. He is interested in design thinking practices and technical and professional communication. He teaches courses in user experience research, information design, instructional design, and digital rhetorics. He currently serves as an associate editor for IEEE Transactions on Professional Communication and book review editor for Composition Studies. He is also vice president of the Council for Programs of Technical and Scientific Communication. He can be reached at jason.tom, that's T-H-A-M, at T-T-U E-D-U. Jason, thanks so much for joining us. I was hoping to give you some space and time to talk about the anti-racist scholarly reviewing practices you contributed to. There are a lot of scholars and teachers who contributed to this project. What were its origins? And can you talk about the heuristic guide and how you hope this work gets taken up by reviewers in the field? Sure. And thank you for giving us the space. Um, I want to say this is a collation and it's a collective work. Um, I'm thankful to be invited to contribute um, to it, but I really want to give credit to the scholars who initiated this uh, project, um, especially with uh, Cagle and uh, Lauren Cagle and uh, MROs, uh, Rebecca Walton, um, Miriam Williams. Um, so they they were the one who spearheaded this effort, um, and I thank them for for uh, seeing this as a pressing need for for the field um, and. From my perspective, it is a very useful guide for anyone on the spectrum of publishing. So whether you're an author or an editor or a publisher, um, I think this can benefit um, all of us who are thinking through how we uh, provide feedback um, that is non-racist, anti-racist, um, and that also the whole workflow and process of publishing to not marginalize or minoritize any particular uh, community of scholars. Transparency, I think, uh, simply here just means, uh, you know, uh, communicate right frequently and, and uh, always right, with your authors or even reviewers, right? Um, letting them know uh, the state of the project um, and where it's at. So it's mostly just technical to help uh, especially I think junior scholars needed that sort of information a lot more than um, senior scholars, right, in reporting of their work and their faculty appraisal, you know, those kind of things. I think it helps um, to make it easier uh, for, for reporting. But, but transparency definitely also helps, I think, with like in the commenting process uh, or the feedback process for authors, um, giving them an understanding of here, here's the heuristic or, or the, here's the uh, rubric that has been used uh, by the journal for for reviewing purposes, right? Rather than keeping it as like a hidden sort of uh, requirement that, you know, that all the authors have to find it out themselves about it. I think making that transparent and available to the authors are, are helpful and the reviewers as well to be um to be trained to provide feedback that are constructive and targeted, and it's not just 
uh, assuming of somebody's linguistic background or somebody's racial uh, ethnic background, right? So um, you want to keep the work as the work um, and, and not any sort of assumption about uh, either, you know, either part of the party. Um, and that's my perspective on it. I think the heuristic is really open-ended as well in some ways to be interpreted by its users. Um, and some editorial boards already do really well in like ensuring transparency, um, providing timely and useful feedback. I know I've been on, I've been asked to do reviews for some technical communication journals where I get as a reviewer, I get informed of the publication outcome. I get informed of other reviewers' comments. You know, they're synthesized for me, so I can see where I am uh, at, like at at the place when I'm reviewing, right? Knowing where I stand, I think that helps too, uh, as as part of my own professional development. So I'm not just being exploited for service, right? For for providing a, a service to the field. Um, in terms of uptake, I want to say that it, uh, thankfully, it has been given attention to, and I'm noticing that some journals have of officially included it as part of that uh, reviewer guideline uh, for their own uh, reviewers. And that's very nice. Um, and that was the goal that for us initially. Um, but most recently, I also noticed that uh, 4C has just passed two new position statements on editorial ethics and also citation practice. Um, and I think uh, and they did um, cite this work as part of a uh, influencing uh, artifact for, for those new position statements. So I'm glad that the larger field is starting to see um, this as well outside of technical and professional communication. And my hope is that it penetrates even further uh, outwards into other adjacent fields like communication studies or media studies, um, you know, rhetoric in general, that, that sort of kind of um, use this as a launching uh, point for their own practices. I mean, a lot of the things were very reflective in nature in in this in building of this heuristic. I think it needs to be a living document. It needs to be uh, evolving to kind of uh, to recognize some of the uh, outlier right practices that we may have not we have not you know given attention to in in the current version of the heuristic. So I, I invite and welcome, and I think I speak on behalf of the coalition that helped form this uh, document heuristic, that uh, feedback, it's definitely welcome uh, for us and tell us how we can do better uh, in building a stronger heuristic that supports all kinds of scholars.